Hey, yo. What's up, guys? Welcome to This Business. This is the show where we take a traditional sports talk approach to covering the sport that we all love, professional wrestling. I am your host. My name is John Sargent. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, by now, you've figured out what it is today. We're taking a, a little stray off the normal path of things that we do here, and we're going to celebrate Scott Hall. One of my all-time favorite wrestlers, um, one of the most influential figures in the entire industry. Um, so I wanted to take the time out to to celebrate the bad guy. We're gonna we're gonna do things a little bit differently today, um, and we're gonna stick with the bad guy and the bad guy only. Um, I'm gonna kind of give you a list of just my favorite things that he has accomplished, um, whether it be matches, moments, um, behind the scenes things, whatever. And I'm also going to just kind of run through his uh, biography, so to speak, and I'm going to give you how I felt about those major moments as they were occurring. Let's get into it. So Scott Hall was born in 1958. Um, He was the the kid of an army dad. He moved around his entire life, basically. Um, And then he got his start in wrestling in NWA's championship wrestling from Florida in 1984. By 85, Hall had joined the AWA up in Minnesota, um, and he went by the name Magnum Scott Hall, which is an awesome name. And then they later changed his name to Big Scott Hall, which in name I think is a bit of a downgrade. But if you've seen pictures of Scott Hall in AWA, there's nothing you could have called him besides Big Scott Hall. He was all the way jacked. Um he had a little bit of an un, unsuccessful stint in NWA in 89, and then he went over to Japan um, and spent some time in Puerto Rico as well in 1991. In April of 91, he made his way back to the NWA, which was now called WCW, and he was repackaged as Diamond Stud, uh, which was part of Dallas Page's short-lived faction. Diamond Stud was very clearly the um, the gateway to what would be Razor Ramon. There's a lot of similarities between Diamond Stud, including the toothpick and just the whole the vibe of it. But that stint ran only until May of 92, when he would leave WCW again. And later on that month, in 1992, Scott Hall would step into the world of the WWF. Uh, the Razor Ramon vignettes would start airing on Superstars ahead of his arrival. I can remember being a kid, watching Superstars every Saturday morning, and seeing Razor Ramon for the first time and immediately thinking, wow, who the hell is that? I didn't have WCW uh, for a long time when I was a kid, so I had never seen him before. In 1992, I was probably six to eight years away from watching Scarface for the first time, so I thought Razor Ramon was real. Like, real. And he was the, I thought he was the only person on earth that was like that. The moment he appeared on screen, I thought he was the coolest guy alive. I really did. I honestly never even viewed him as a heel. I can remember watching some kind of retrospective or look back on him a few years later when I was older. And being surprised that he was supposed to be received as a bad guy. Because I just looked at him as the bad guy who was a good guy. You feel me? I honestly thought someone that cool couldn't be bad. (laughs) That that guy he pushed into the fountain, yeah, he should have moved. The waiter he bullied probably had spit in his food. I mean, look how cool Razor Ramon's car was. 
how cool his clothes were. He had a toothpick at all times. He made a mullet look good for crying out loud. He's not a heel. Definitely not. Razor Ramon's in-ring debut was in August of 92 on Superstars against a jobber named Paul Van Dale, who's actually Carmella's father. Right when he appeared on my screen with that music that could still be in an action movie today and that bright yellow vest, five pounds of gold around his neck, he was cemented as a major top-level player in WWF. This is also where I first saw his finishing move, The Razor's Edge. As a kid, that move was the most devastating thing I had ever seen, even more so than the powerbomb was. I was blown away that someone could be so powerful to get another human into the crucifix position in the first place, let alone be so willing to do something so deadly to their opponent. There hasn't been a video game since then that Razor Ramon has been in that I haven't played as him at least a few times because I wanted to flatten someone with a few Razor's Edges. If I was going to make a list of best finishers, the Razor's Edge has a solid chance to be number one on that list. During his legendary run in WWF, Hall would have an immeasurable amount of moments and matches that had an impact on myself and every wrestling fan at the time. From his infamous loss to a young jobber simply named Kid, to his great run as Intercontinental Champion, including the WrestleMania 10 ladder match with Shawn Michaels, that categorically changed wrestling as we know it, to the curtain call in Madison Square Garden with his Click brothers before departing for WCW. The list goes on and on for Razor Ramon. I mean, the very term new generation is in reference to a select few chosen stars of the day, and Razor Ramon was one of them in a big, bad way. In hindsight, I feel so fortunate that Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson had never seen Scarface either, and they thought Hall's pitches for his character were great original ideas he was coming up with on the spot. Because the character of Razor Ramon, a mixture of Tony Montana and Manny from Scarface, a Cuban-American low-key drug lord, and the coolest guy alive, fit like a hand and glove with the real human being Scott Hall. He owned a character that 100% would have crashed and burned in anybody else's hands. There are no characters in wrestling history that I would feel safe saying were better conceived, better performed, or more influential on an entire generation than Razor Ramon, and I am so happy that I was able to witness the bad guy as it was happening during my formative years as a fan. Razor Ramon was my first example of what cool really looked like, and if I'm being honest... He still is my idea of cool. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. WCW Monday Nitro, May 27th, 1996. A day that will live in infamy. Scott Hall, seemingly still playing Razor Ramon, appeared in the crowd during a match. He walked into the ring, making a denim vest look good, and interrupted the match. Mike Enos' reaction still makes me laugh. Looking better than 10 movie stars in his Canadian tux, he cut one of the most legendary promos in the history of professional wrestling, and imagine the ground that that covers. 
Hall essentially proclaimed war against WCW, and he allowed everyone to believe that he was doing so on behalf of WWF. About two weeks later, he would be joined on WCW Nitro by former WWF champion Kevin Nash, and the pair, now dubbed the Outsiders, would put WCW executive and announcer Eric Bischoff through a table, which was not commonplace at the time. They challenged Sting, Lex Luger, and Randy Savage to a six-man tag at Bash at the Beach and promised there would be a third man joining them. This was a big effing deal. A recent WWF Intercontinental Champion and Heavyweight Champion, two of the stars New Generation was in reference to, were seemingly invading WCW. Up to this point, I had never watched WCW. I was a WWF man through and through. But when I caught wind of what was going on on TNT, when I heard the real Razor Ramon and Diesel were in WCW, I started watching Raw live in my room, but recorded Nitro on a VHS in the living room so that I could see what was going on later on. Had to know what was happening with the Outsiders. So... I had, I, I had to know what was going to go on at Bash at the Beach. I had to know who the third man was going to be. The only problem was my dad, who was awesome enough to buy almost every WWF pay-per-view for me during those days, was not going to buy two pay-per-views that month. So I willingly passed on In Your House International Incident in order to see my first WCW pay-per-view. Looking back on that card, I made the right call. What I got in my first WCW pay-per-view, was obviously history. Hulk Hogan, the biggest star and babyface in the history of wrestling, was the third man. He joined Hall and Nash, and they formed the New World Organization, brother. The NWO changed the course of history in professional wrestling. It got me and virtually everyone else to become a WCW first and WWF second person for the next two years. I was now watching Nitro live and recording Raw, and it was all based on the cool factor provided by Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Hogan had the star power, but Scott Hall and Kevin Nash provided the cool that got young people interested. After having to keep my wrestling fanhood to myself my whole life up to that point, suddenly I was making new friends with kids who were wearing NWO shirts at school. I had people coming over to my house to play WCW NWO Revenge on Nintendo 64. There were Nitro viewing parties at somebody's house every single Monday. Because of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and the NWO, you could not only be a wrestling fan out loud, you had to be. It was the most in thing going on. Scott Hall's run in WCW was not traditionally successful in a way that can be referenced on cagenet.com. It wasn't the type of success where someone collects championships and has a network special filled with five-star matches. Don't get me wrong. Scott was as good in ring as anyone you want to name on any given night when he wanted to be. In fact, I completely agree with Chris Jericho, who said he was by far the best pro wrestler I've seen never to hold a world title. But Scott Hall's late 90s WCW run was, and still is, monstrously successful due to his unmatched character work and his coolness and his charisma. He is the reason being a bad guy was good. Him. 
He's the reason. The cool heel was so many wrestlers' goal for the next 20 years, and it's because of Scott Hall. What other 35 to 40-year-old guy do you know that could wear a backwards bandana like Tupac and have C-Murder do their entrance theme and it comes off as badass instead of desperate and lame? Case in point, Lex Luger in the Wolfpack as compared to Scott Hall. There has never been a more effective character than Scott Hall in this time period, and I stand by that. Unfortunately, though, his addictions were getting the better of him during this time, and it often cost him chances at being a main event level player in WCW while WCW was around. Hall did have another brief run with WWE when they brought back the NWO in 2002. He even got to have a match against Steve Austin at WrestleMania 18. But the New World Order had run its course by then, and and so had he. After an incident on the infamous plane ride from hell, Scott was let go by WWE. And for the next few years, I made sure to keep a close eye on what Scott Hall was doing as best a fan could do who didn't know him. I was worried about his well-being, as most of us were for those few scary years. And luckily, St. Dallas Page, and he is a saint, took Scott in and helped him get happy and healthy and stay clean. Scott was able to be inducted into the Hall of Fame twice, which made me really happy to see. And he had seemingly carved out a great wrestling legend's life, appearing at signings, shows with his son Cody, doing speaking for specials on the network, and occasionally little Q&A panels and podcasts. And it was, it was a nice legend's life. Sadly, on March 14th, 2022... We lost Scott Hall after he succumbed to complications from hip surgery. I was devastated, as I'm sure you were, and I know his family and friends are. But when I started reflecting on his life, I couldn't help but smile. When I watched his work, I found myself often cracking up laughing. When I listened to his peers tell stories about him, I could feel their love, respect, and admiration. Make no mistake, Scott Hall is absolutely gone too soon, but it would have been too soon 10, 20, or 30 years from now also. And I can't name one person from wrestling who touched as many lives and left as much of an entertaining legacy as Scott Hall. My heart breaks for his loved ones, and I am truly sad that he is gone, but more so than that, I'm exceedingly grateful that we ever had him in the first place. Hey, yo! After two and a half years of surveying, tonight will be the final survey because I've decided that everybody is here for one reason, and that's to see the... All right, now I just kind of want to run through everything just the stuff that 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 stands out to me that I love about Scott Hall Razor Ramon and his career and the things that he's done um his, those vignettes those those debuting vignettes man go down the rabbit hole on the on uh, YouTube and and check those out i mean they are so good what he's wearing what he's saying uh pushing some random guy into a into a fountain his car, um, he just, he yeah, he was ripping off Scarface, 
but it fit him so well. And he was standing out above everyone before him and after him in such an impressive way. Go back and watch those vignettes. They're so cool. One thing that I always noticed about Scott Hall, about Razor Ramon, was his punches. He throws a working punch better than anyone ever. Um, Dax Harwood's got a really good one. Um, Kurt Angle comes to mind, but no one is better than, than Razor. His punches came from left field, and he looked like he was taking somebody's head off with them every single time. And from what I've heard... You never even felt it. Didn't feel it at all. Um, and they, they had so much snap to them. His punches are unreal. Obviously, you can't talk about him and his accomplishments without mentioning the ladder matches with Shawn Michaels. WrestleMania 10, SummerSlam 95. Um, with the with the roles reversed as far as who's the babyface and who's the heel. Both matches are incredible. Um, I've heard a lot of people kind of say they prefer one or the other. I think they're a package deal. You got you to gotta check them both out. WWE has run the ladder match just into the ground. I'm pretty much over the ladder match. But I've seen it going around online, and, and I uh, am a supporter of the idea of a one-on-one ladder match at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental title every single year and naming it after Razor Ramon. Um, I think that that's something that's got to happen, honestly. Um, just the fact that he was so giving and generous as a star, you don't see a lot of stars who are willing to take losses. Uh, he made one, two, three kid a star. Sean Waltman owes his fame and success to Scott Hall, to Razor Ramon. And, and from everything I've seen, he, he, that's his brother, um, and he gives him the, the appreciation that he deserves, obviously. He also was the first person to spot something in Jeff Hardy. Um, and he would routinely take losses to people, um, to Bret Hart or um, whoever. Uh, he just he wasn't one of these selfish giant stars that you hear about. And I think that really needs to be talked about more often. There is a match... Um, on a show called Action Zone. It's kind of buried on the network, but you can find it. Um, just Google it. It's on YouTube. And it is Razor Ramon and the 123 Kid versus Shawn Michaels and Diesel. And it's the kind of match you would see on Dynamite today. It, it really has no business being in 1995 or whenever it was. It's just so dynamic and fast-paced. Um it was the type of thing that old heads at the time would say was killing the business. And it is so good. Like a top notch television tag team match. You just don't see this kind of stuff. When, when razor Ramon became a babyface by, by getting respect for one, two, three kid. And then he ended up getting the intercontinental title in a tournament and he had a whole babyface run Man, when I, I was obsessed with Razor Ramon during that time when he was a when he was supposed to be a good guy. Um, you can go back and just watch so much of that run and just the matches are good for sure, but just the idea of the character of Razor Ramon being a babyface is so much fun. It's the sort of thing you just don't get nowadays. Obviously, you gotta talk about the curtain call. The click. 
uh, uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are leaving. They're in Madison Square Garden. And after a match at a house show, mind you, they, quote, go into business for themselves. And they, they hug and embrace and celebrate in the ring in the cage. Um, one of these things that at the time, again, perceived as the click killing the business, uh, it had, if it had any effect at all, it was positive. But the, the story of it, um, is really interesting. It's like wrestling historian stuff. The only people still in the company were Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was the champion, so he couldn't be punished for this for this incident. So it fell on Triple H's feet. Triple H was supposed to win the 1996 Royal Rump or uh, King of the Ring. Well, he, his punishment was he was not going to win that King of the Ring. And instead, Stone Cold Steve Austin did. He cut a promo about 316. The rest is history. Um, so the curtain call and everything, the shockwaves that came from it are very, very interesting. You've got Scott's debut in WCW wearing that Canadian tuxedo, the you want a war promo. It doesn't get any more famous than that. Uh, and I've got a story about that that I'm going to finish things off with later on. The Outsiders as a pairing. I I have got a autographed and framed photo of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall from WrestleMania 18 um, that I've got to get up on the wall. Just the two of them together, like defining the word chemistry. <clears throat> chemistry with each other. Um, just unbelievable that's too much cool it's it's too sweet <laughs> it is too sweet uh bash at the beach 96 you know i'm not gonna say anything that hasn't already been said about that maybe the most famous moment in the history of wrestling but one thing to look for when they're re- replaying that video that 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 moment centers around hulk hogan the biggest baby face turning heel but what always stood out to me about that moment is Hulk Hogan, who doesn't have an ounce of cool in him, by the way, doesn't have an... Terry Bollea doesn't have an ounce of cool. I'm going to swore just then. Doesn't have an ounce of cool. What does he do in that moment? He turns around, he looks at Scott Hall, who is cool, and he mimics the Razor Ramon pose. The arms stretched out Razor Ramon pose. He sees what Scott's doing and he copies him because Scott's cool and Hogan wants to be cool. That's the thing that's always stood out to me is that in that moment, Hogan's instinct was do as Hall does. Another thing that just needs to be pointed out is that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall changed the way that wrestlers make money. They were the first people to go to a company and work into a contract that their their pay would be guaranteed rather than a bunch of commissions based on ticket sales and merchandise and things like that. That stuff's still in the contract, but... The base salary is guaranteed now, which means a better life for wrestlers on television in general since they went to WCW. Um, so for all these old heads that said they killed the business and all these people that say that they're, they're just looking out for themselves, well, them looking out for themselves pioneered a better life for everyone that came after them. Obviously, the survey... Um, the survey is, is, I mean, there's, there's quotable things in wrestling. Let me tell you something mean gene. Oh yeah. And then there's, Hey, yo stands on the same ground as all these other ones that you want to mention. The survey is basically 
really all Scott Hall did in WCW. I mean, not to diminish his accomplishments. He had a lot of entertaining moments, but like he hardly ever wrestled. Um, and the, the survey kept him on television, kept him relevant. Um, and it's one of the signatures of that era. I, I cannot let this show go by without talking about just his, um, his mannerisms, I guess his, his, his moments between the moments he, if you go back and watch heel razor Ramon or anything he did in WCW, the way that he would mess with his opponents, slap the back of their head, um, and do his little spooky fingers when he's not scared, you know, the spooky fingers, all that kind of stuff is still unbelievably entertaining. And there's one moment, I can't remember what pay-per-view it's on, but it's the outside, I can't remember what it is, but it's the outsiders in a tag match um, against two baby faces. Uh, Maybe one of them's Hacksaw Jim Duggan or something. We'll say it's Hacksaw. And Scott starts the match. He flicks the toothpick into the baby face's face, and then he cracks up laughing. He thinks that's the funniest thing in the world. And as he's dying laughing, he turns to Hall... Sorry, he turns to Nash as if to say, did you see how funny that was? And then he turns back and the babyface is mad, right? They're puffed up. And then he he gets legitimately scared that they're mad. It, it I can't do it justice. You just have to find it. It is hysterical. His, his just entertainment value, higher than anybody. It's just through the roof. In another... Scott Hall inadvertently changes the face of wrestling. He is the one who suggested the crow gimmick to Sting. He said Sting was looking to turn more serious and dark, and Hall said, have you ever seen the movie The Crow? And obviously, the rest is history. As I sit here recording, it's Sting's birthday. He's about to wrestle uh, in in Austin, Texas, and I'm going to watch it in 2022. Um, he's timeless because of the gimmick that he, that he puts on his face, and it was essentially gifted to him by Scott Hall. Uh, The way that Scott Hall took a stunner. (laughs) Everyone talks about the rock and the way he takes a stunner, but man, go back and watch Scott Hall take a stunner and you will laugh your ass off. I think that anybody that's had addiction in their life should uh, look at Scott Hall for inspiration. Um, It doesn't get any lower than Scott got. Um, and he was able to overcome it. Saint DDP, man, Saint DDP. There's about 122,000 shoot interviews that you can find out there with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall or just Scott Hall by himself, and not one of them isn't insanely entertaining. His willingness to bury people has always been really, really enjoyable. He's a really, really funny cat. Um, and if someone didn't deserve his respect, they didn't get it. Um, and uh, it, they're all good. Every single one of them. Go find anyone you want. Just the little catchphrases. Uh, better than you, Chico. Better looking than 10 movie stars. Just all of that. So good. And then obviously the Hall of Fame speech. You know, um, the Hall of Fame speech is so good. You've seen it doing the rounds. Um, and it... And it it's going to go down in history. When you're NWO, you're NWO for life. 
All right, normally I wrap up the show with a recommendation. Today I'm going to do it different. I got a story for you. When I was like 20, 21 years old, I had a job, you know, one of these jobs where it just doesn't matter and you get to have fun. You're making money, but if you get fired because you're young, who cares? It's one of those jobs. It was like Caddyshack, basically. I worked at a Ford dealership um, and I was in the detail bay. I was detailing cars and uh, there, there was a real classism at this place, um, which was basically the manual labor people versus the salespeople. And I was on team manual labor, get, getting my nails dirty. Um, and, but I also, because I was receiving the new cars, I needed to go to the uh, GM's office frequently. And one time I was in there and I saw on somebody's desk the phone number that gave you access to the PA system that went over the entire dealership. You're talking about, I don't know, 200 employees um, and 10, 15 customers on the lot at any given time. And every single one of those people heard all of these announcements for various reasons. So being a degenerate 21-year-old wrestling fan with access to this intercom, I did what any self-respecting member of the NWO would do. I waited until a Saturday when I was off. And I knew that it was going to be as busy as possible. Uh, The general manager, the sales manager, everyone was going to be there. And I called the intercom system. And I said, hey, yo, you people, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. I did the entire you want a war promo. Uh, I was asking for scheme gene. Where, oh, where is billionaire Ted? And I ended it with, you want a war? You gonna get one. And I hung up. When I came into work Monday morning, (laughs) everybody who worked there, I didn't tell anyone I was doing this. Everyone who worked there was on high alert. It, It was DEFCON 1. They were under the impression that the Toyota dealership across the street was declaring war. <laughs> so it was just a joke for me and and my friends who didn't work there. And we would call periodically and we would do Scott Hall promos. Whatever we would, basically we were going week by week. We were talking about the third man who was going to join us. We were <laughs> invading this Ford dealership. Um, and that was, that is one of my favorite memories. Um, really, of my life because it, it was so funny for such a long period of time. They never found out who was doing it. Uh, some people just found it funny. Other people thought the Toyota was going to war with them. And, and Scott Hall gave me, gave me that moment among, um, a million other ones. And I just cannot thank him enough.